Welcome to Vineyard 61's weekly podcast. We hope you'll be inspired, challenged, and encouraged by this week's speaker. For previous messages, go to our website, vineyard61.org, or subscribe via iTunes or SoundCloud. Grab some information about some of the work that we do, uh, the nations we work in, please do afterwards. We change gear. You're in the Psalms. Some are in the Psalms. What a wonderful, wonderful book of poems, prayers, songs to be looking at through the summer. Um, I, I listened to your last two uh, sermons, so just to get myself familiar with what you're looking at. Um, would you turn, to, if you have your Bible with you, to Psalm 1. I'm always tempted to say Psalm chapter 1, and of course it's not really Psalm 1. So if you want to turn to that. Um, Let me just get my notes here. I am by nature a task-orientated person For me, a good day is a load of tasks written in an A5 notebook and crossed off at the end of the day, and the next tasks written at the end of the day, ready for the next day. Um, If you're like me, a task-orientated person, you might have allergic reactions to the Psalms. (laughs) I am not naturally a Psalms person. I never have been as I've grown. I've found them difficult. Is that in the Bible? Those words, that violence. I wish you could break the teeth of my enemies, Lord. I wish you would bash those Babylonian babies against the wall. If you've come across that one in Psalm 137, it's pretty violent. Uh, It's really quite difficult. But as I've got older, (laughs) I've learned to appreciate the Psalms. Why? Because God is interested in what's going on inside you. The Psalms are not about what, how to pray. They're not telling you what to pray, sorry. They're telling you how to pray. So it took me ages to realize that, did you know that the Psalms are broken into five books? So if you turn to Psalm 41, you'll see at the end, that's the end of book one. Did you know that? I I didn't realize that until only about 10 years. I became a Christian when I was 11. I thought I ignored those little chapter headings saying book one, book two, five books. And at the end of each book, is a, is a, the final psalm of each book, you'll see that there's a, a doxology. And it will say something like, may the Lord God be blessed forever. Amen and amen. And you'll see that at the end of each book. And then there's five Psalms at the end, which are not part of the five books, which are just a summary of praise to God. Do you realize that each of those books represents Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy? It it took the Jewish people through their history. And when they were in the direst circumstances, taken away from their own country, their temple destroyed, their nation in ruins, and they were taken to Babylon there were the psalms that they'd learned by heart in their heads to be able to recite the stories of Israel, to recite the stories of Yahweh 
and what he's done in his people. Over five books. What a fantastic thing. They could recite the Torah through the Psalms. And they knew the Psalms. They prayed them. And so when Jesus, in agony on the cross, says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He's literally breathing out Psalm 22 and fulfilling it. He's literally bleeding scripture, the Psalms. A wonderful, wonderful book. You know, it made me think about the importance of my inner life. As a task-orientated person, um, I get quite irritable if things aren't happening my way. Um, I can be quite difficult to live with. Viv is smiling at me, which is not, but making me feel uncomfortable. Um, my inner life is full of disordered emotion. My inner life is often full of the things that have formed and shaped me over my life, for good or for bad. And what God is trying to do is a slow work in us to reorder our desires and to bring us close to him, to pay attention to him. And he wants to slow us down and speak to us. It's one of the most amazing things ever. You know, I never really understood this. We always think of the external aspect of our faith, you know, what we say, what we do. But you know, when Paul was praying to the Ephesian church, and I think you quoted Ephesians this morning, he's praying for them. They're a church under persecution. They're, they're feeling the effects of Nero's constraint on them as Christians. What does he pray for them? Lord, relieve them of their suffering, relieve them, solve the problems of persecution. No, he says, I pray that God, out of his glorious riches, may empower you with strength where? In your inner being. So the Psalms are about working on our inner being. I met a pastor in Columbia once who said, if you want to see things that you haven't seen before, you need to do things that you haven't done before. And what I want to talk to you about is meditation. The Psalms are about meditating. Um, so um, if you could go to the next slide, Emma, thank you. I know this might seem a bit simple to you, but as a busy person, I can skip my time with God every day if I'm not careful. If I don't actually say how long or how short that should be, you need to decide, but you need to separate yourself from events and from your phone. This is always the problem with the prayer apps on your phone. It's too tempting, isn't it, to get a WhatsApp at the same time as listening to Lectio 365 or Every Day with Jesus, whatever app you, you like. Um, um, you've got to spend some time with God. Next slide, please. Uh, this is a quote from Lewis. Do you love the Narnia stories? I love them. And at the end of the Narnia stories, there's a wonderful bit where they're invited to come further up and further in. Now, prayer, we often hear about forms of prayer, don't we? How do we pray? Some people, when I was growing up, some people said, use the formula ACTS, A-C-T-S, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. Wonderful. He said, I never knew what supplication was. So. 
it sounded painful. Um, there are levels of prayer, not just forms of prayer. And God is always inviting us to get deeper and deeper and deeper with him. And that's what that means, to come further up and further in. And meditation, if you read your Bible, sometimes I read a chapter, I'm going through my Bible in a year, I read a chapter in Judges and get thoroughly horrified and then balance it with a chapter in John and feel better. And, and, um, and then I go straight into prayer. We're not ready to pray, are we? Meditation is what brings us from Bible study into prayer. Now, some of you may be a bit worried you know, you might want to, you're conservative. The idea of meditation as Christians sounds a bit Buddhist, doesn't it? Sounds a bit Eastern. Well, actually, Rowan Williams this week got into trouble. I don't know if you saw it in the paper. He um, talked about the benefits of Buddhist meditation. And there are some incredible benefits, you know, health benefits to just slowing down, checking your breathing. Um, so he's, he's saying it's a good thing. But there is a big difference between Christian meditation. And folks, Christians have been meditating for thousands of years. Don't let the Eastern traditions let you think that they're the masters of this. God teaches us to meditate. The word meditate occurs 19 times in our Bible, 14 times are in the book of Psalms. Meditate. Uh, some of you say, well, I don't meditate. Do you worry? <laughs> You're meditating. It's just the wrong kind of meditation. You know, Christian medicine is not about emptying the mind. It's about preparing the mind. It's not about finding God in you. It's about bringing God into you. And it's an invitation to get into the presence of God. Do you know... Rowan Williams was once asked, how often do you pray? How, how long do you pray during a, during a day? And he said, 15 minutes. And the journalist said, 15 minutes? And you're the Archbishop of Canterbury. And he, was the he also described prayer like sunbathing. When you're fully in the presence of God, and you know that you are deeply loved, and everything will be well. You are secure in him. He loves you. He has every thought for you, for your future, and he's secured it. And everything in life that can possibly defeat you, he has defeated. So bask in that when you pray and meditate. So I'm just going to bring you to the next slide. Psalm 1. Let's just read Psalm 1 together. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. Of his law he meditates day and night. He's like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in season. And its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. 
The wicked are not so, but they are like chaff that the wind drives away. So I'm probably reading a different uh, version that you've got up there. But you know that Psalm 1 is not a psalm. It's not a psalm. (laughs) Psalm 1 and 2 are like the manufacturer's instructions to engaging in the psalms. So when you get to Psalm 3, you're in the psalms. Psalms 1 and 2 are telling the people two things. Meditate on God's experience in your life. Meditate on what he's teaching you through the Torah, which means teaching. And then Psalm 2 is, I've got my Messiah. He's coming. He's coming. And so when you can meditate, you can think about the king and the coming kingdom. And when those Jews who were devastated and they sat down by the rivers of Babylon, I'm going to sound like Boney M, and they wept. Oh, sorry. I'm just so old. I'm really sorry. (laughs) Normal churches I go to, people, yeah, yeah, I remember Boney M. Um, And remembered Zion. And remembered Zion. And they wept. And so the coming king and the coming kingdom are a feature of the Psalms. God, like other, unlike other traditions, which are cyclical, God is on a trajectory in history. And he's fulfilling his plans and purposes. And he's fulfilling them through you now. Um, so meditate. Learn to meditate. So what is the meditate? The, the Hebrew word for meditate is hagar. And it, it means to sort of almost growl. Can you imagine a, a cat that's purring as it... it It's got a tasty morsel between its paws, and it's about to savor and eat it. That's the word. That's the sense of the word, to meditate, to literally savor the words. The anticipation that God might speak to you. Next slide. There are promises. You will be blessed. Blessed is the one. Uh, the Good News Bible translates that as happy. I'm not sure I like the word happy. It kind of speaks of frothiness, doesn't it? You know, you go out for drinks with friends, you have a great time, you, you laugh, you're happy. Blessed is so much, much, much more than that. If you want to think about being blessed, think about the ironic blessing. The Lord bless you, keep you, make his face shine upon you, and give you peace. Fulfillment in every aspect of your being. You're at one. You are secure. You are loved. You are blessed. So learn to meditate and you will be blessed. The next slide. Look at that tree growing by that stream. That's what he wants you to be. Not a small sapling that could be washed away or dried up but really a verdant tree growing with all its greenness, overshadowing the water. Stability. He wants you to be rooted. He wants you to be immovable. Whatever the circumstances that you're currently facing, you may be experiencing good circumstances. He wants you to be immovable. And when the water dries up, those roots of that tree are so far down, reaching into the water, that that even the dryness of the season will not affect you. 
Jesus says, whoever is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. And out of his heart will flow living waters. The Proverbs say, keep your heart with all vigilance. Because from your heart, your inner being, are the springs of life. That's why you can be sometimes sad clowns, can't you? You've got all the, the clothing of a clown. The lipstick to show you're smiling, but underneath you're sad. He wants to work on the sadness, the disorientated disorders, your desires that are slightly warped, your, the way that you're thinking, he wants to work on. The last point is that he wants you to be fruitful. Whatever he does, he prospers. That's not the prosperity gospel. That's not going to mean that you're going to get a raise next week. It's that he will bring you and whatever circumstances you're in at the moment, he's developing fruit in you. And he will bring that fruit in his good time. It's the problem with us is we want it immediately, don't we? We want fast food. Do you want a McDonald's, mac and cheese, quick, let's drive through. We drink it on the go. We want it instantly. That's not what God does. He works through you slowly. And his voice speaks to you slowly. Um, what fruit do you want to bring out in your life? What fruit do you want to see? Destructive habits? A judge, judgmental nature? I'm looking at myself. <laughs> Prejudices? Anger? What do you want to see come out of you? Do you want to be more generous with your time and with people? Do you want to look at people more kindly than you do? Do you want to stop and pay more attention to those that need you? That's what you can think about when you pray the Psalms. Now, when you read the anger and the bitterness and the violence, as well as the ecstasy and the joy of the Psalms, remember these are people that are not afraid to enact all of their emotions in, the, in front of God. And that's so healthy. Have you ever raged at God? You can. He gives you permission. The psalmists give you permission. Do it in the presence of God. Don't reject him. Don't feel that you have to earn his respect in his presence. I've got to say the right words. And think holy thoughts. Jesus said, don't be like that. Don't heap up empty phrases. You are comfortable. You are loved. You are secure in the hands of God. Open up to him. This is what the Psalms enable you to do. So I'm just going to, very briefly, I'm, I'm sorry I'm going over time, but there's one more slide. I just want to, I talked about models, and I, I don't like models much, but I tell you what, if you've never learned to meditate, just start. Don't punish yourself. You're not going to be an expert at it after a week or a month or a year. But do it between your Bible study and your prayer. It will get you a distract, avoid the distractions and center yourself on God. And one of the things that I do is I just center myself and I start to breathe. And I notice my breathing. And then I'll just repeat a phrase. I'll say, Maranatha, Maranatha, come Lord Jesus. You might want to say something else. You might want to pray the Lord's Prayer. 
but focus and center and concentrate. Take the words that you're reading and consider them. And I noticed you actually do Lectio Divina. I think on Fridays I saw that. Um, this is really another version of that. What is grabbing you from the text? What is God saying about himself? What is he saying to you, to the psalm that you've chosen? Then when you feel that he's really spoken to you, you've really understood something about him, and maybe you've understood something about yourself, commit, yield, give it to him. You know, one of the best ways that I find of committing is to is the prayer that is at the end of Lectio 365. I don't know if you, if you use that app. Father, help me to live this day to the full, being true to you in every way. Jesus, help me to give myself to others, being kind to all I meet. Spirit, help me to love the lost, proclaim Christ in all I do. Commit. Just the last slide. Um, I love this quote from Tim Keller. It's revolutionized his prayer life. He was 60 when he discovered this. So I'm 52. I feel like I've got a head start. Um, meditation is taking the truth down into our hearts until it catches fire and then begins to melt and shape our reactions to God and to ourselves and to the world. Because we believe such amazing things, but sometimes it just takes a little spark and you see a bit of smoke filtering up and all of a sudden a flame breaks out and then it starts to consume all the sticks. That's what he's talking about. Let God excite you and change you from the inside. I've really gone over time. Sorry. Let's just pray together, shall we? I want to pray a blessing on you that God may help you see him in your prayer life. Lord, I pray for my friends here. Would you bless them? Would you speak to their hearts? Would you reorder their affections that are changed and difficult? Would you be with them in whatever circumstances they're in? Would you reveal your name to them that they may be overwhelmed by a sense of your presence in their lives? May you grow them. May you make them immovable. May you produce fruit in them. Lord, I ask, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O oh Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. Tune in next week for another life-giving message from one of our Vineyard 61 speakers.